Bulls fans, and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am Mark K from Australia, joined as always by the most handsome beat man going around. It is Will the Goat Gottlieb. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Last night in the NBA was an interesting one, and I'm excited to talk about it. We, we got a fun one here for you guys today. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that Jimmy did what he did because we are two big Jimmy heads. And uh, the fact that he closed it out the way he did last night, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that happened because this made planning this podcast a lot easier. And we're going to obviously be talking a lot, of, a lot about Jimmy. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about Jimmy versus the Knicks. And uh, who better to join us to have this sort of conversation than none other than Chicago Sun-Times, reporter, columnist, Bulls beat man, uh, and now my friend. Joe Kelly. Joe, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? We're, we're well, mate. We're well. How, how are you been? I've been good. Um, you know, got home and um, just getting reacclimated to uh, dad life and husband life and watching uh, basketball from afar. So it's been uh, it's been nice. Well, that's the thing. You haven't been. Uh, we haven't had to watch the Bulls as such, which has maybe been a, a good thing. But in in some ways, we are. I guess still connected to this team because uh, right. some former heroes of this squad are doing their thing in the postseason. Obviously, it's not necessarily through the Bulls, but let's let's, let's just get into it. Let's, let's talk playoff, Jimmy uh, William. Let's let's start with you first. But that performance last night, the performance in Game Four, ninety-eight points over the final two games of the series, closing the Bucks out in five, averaging thirty almost thirty-five points per game during the season. A hundred, uh, sorry, during the that, that series. 188 points on 119 shots, almost 60% from the field. Just, uh, I mean, I'll put it to you. Is it one of the greatest individual playoff performances we've ever seen in NBA history? I think we all kind of like fall victim to recency bias in these cases. But honestly, yeah. I mean, that was insane. The, The 56 points to just like muscle his way to a game five win. Um, and then, or sorry, game four win. And then last night with the the lob to tie it up. I mean, they were down 16 in the fourth quarter and without Tyler Hero, this Heat team that like couldn't score against the Bulls in the play-in just did not look like a playoff team. Jimmy has just gone absolute superhero mode and turned in like a couple of performances that I think um, vindicate what the three of us have have thought for a while now, which is that Jimmy is that dude. Joe, I mean, how, how do you feel about watching it, mate? I know, you, again, like 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 Will and I, you're a big right. Jimmy dude, um, but I, I'm not sure if you saw this performance coming. I didn't think maybe that Jimmy was capable of, of this. Obviously, I still held him in high esteem, but to be doing it at this level where it's literally like putting up Michael Jordan numbers, uh, it's insane. It's insane. But I mean, where do you ultimately land on it? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Look, Jimmy and I were really close, and and I really enjoyed that relationship with him. You know, I remember his rookie year. He was just a dude sitting by himself in a locker room of stars, you know, because that team had star power. That was kind of like a rock a rock star, traveling, uh, a traveling rock band at that point with Tibbs and Derek and Joakim. And, and Jimmy was just a kind of a left-out guy in the corner who you can talk to every day because he was always in that corner. You know, he, would, he was trying to acclimate himself to the team. So he and I had a lot of time just to talk and, and BS. And, 
he kept warning me that this will never happen again. I will not be left out. I will not be the guy that's just sitting here kind of left out talking to you. Yeah, he's like, I, I like talking. You don't get me wrong, but I mean, we would talk everything NFL, you know, and the narrative that ended up being spun by the front office and drank by the, by the bulls fan base that's now become some kind of reality. I, I don't understand how the fan base continues to buy into stuff. The, the Tibbs fan, the Tibbs stuff, the narrative with Tibbs was wrong. The narrative with Jimmy was wrong and you still hear fans talking about it. So I know Jimmy from a different light and anything he does does not surprise me. And the fact that, you know, even last year at the all-star game, he was very much like, I talked to him before the all-star game. I goes, I, and I was like, yeah, I'll get you after the all-star game. He's like, no, I'm just leaving. I'm going to take the fine. I don't really care about the all-star game. He doesn't care about anything unless it involves that chip at this point. And, and I don't think people understand the level he's able to turn it up there. There's guys that talk about flipping a switch. He actually can flip a switch. And we've seen that, that that's a generational performance from a guy, you know, and, and I don't want to be held in a prisoner of now. I understand that, but to do it against that team and not even the numbers, all the little plays that the play that you put on Twitter that were behind the back and then to go across court, dive on the pile and get the tie up um, Giannis driving, playing his left hand and saying, you know, the, the Giannis built his career on bullying through people. And he could not get past Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy just said, I don't need to build a wall behind me. I am the wall. And, and you know, I mean, just the, the little intangible plays like that, that you will never see from a Bulls star or a Bulls current player. You just won't see it. So I thought it was fantastic and a lot of stuff that doesn't appear in a box score. Can you, Joe, go into, I think I know the answer to this, but just to like dive into a little bit more, the idea of what you're talking about with the narrative about Jimmy and Tibbs and why, sort of the front office spun that a certain way and why the fan base kind of ate that up and why you maybe disagreed with it then and and now. Right. Well, this is a Jerry Reinsdorf creation. I mean, this is what he's the best at. He's done it with the White Sox. You know, I had my battles with Jerry when I covered the White Sox, and he just continued to deny that there was a rift between Ozzy and Kenny, and he spun that, and he's used the Tribune against the Sun-Times to spin that, and – that became the narrative for a year that there was no problem that, that I was just making this up. And then finally Jerry had to come out and release a statement that there was a rift between Kenny and Ozzy a year later, a year after the fact, a year after damage was done in the organization. And I think the front office did a, did a, a, a number on the, on the bulls fan base with tips, this whole minutes thing and the minutes police that were created from it. No one talks about minutes now. No one talks about Zach and all the minutes he's put in under under Billy and 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 the minutes to Mar. But no one even says anything. But when Tibbs did it, that was his reputation. Tibbs didn't play young players. Oh, really? Tell that to Taj Gibson. I mean, I, I, I mean, tell it to Tony Snell, who was basically an unusable player. Look how much Tibbs used him as a rookie. Uh, Marcus T. I mean, was used as a closing rookie. games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so. Yeah. The things that were spun out of that front office, that this fan base, it became the reality, and they still hold on to it all these years later. Jimmy wasn't a good teammate. Jimmy would invite all the young guys to go with him to Camp Jimmy, and McDermott, from what I understand, McDermott was the only one that took him up on it because it was hard. You weren't allowed to bring your cell phones. You weren't allowed to bring your gaming units. It was two weeks of hell 
of getting up and, and of hell all day. And McDermott did it twice. And Jimmy's whole thing was, okay, if you're not going to come do this, that's fine. But don't be a pussy during the season. Don't be, don't, don't back down during the season and say, this is too hard because an NBA season is hard. And that was spun into Jimmy's a bad teammate. And it's funny, you know, people are like, oh, he was mean to the young guys. That whole stuff that came out with Wade and Jimmy, Dwayne Wade was the one that went after the young guys. Jimmy went after everybody. If you go back and read the articles from that day, he went after the whole team, coaches, himself, everybody. Dwayne singled out the young guys. And and so it's just funny how Chicago takes this narrative that's fed to them by the, the front offices and ownership and, and they make it a reality and they dig their feet in the sand and they don't let go of that reality. They didn't do it with Tibbs. They didn't do it with Jimmy and they still have it to this day. And it's just, uh, I'll give ownership in Chicago a, a, a standing ovation. They know how to work their fan base like puppets and keep them puppets for years and years and years. And, and it, it's amazing. I mean, if I, if, if God ever smiles to me and gives me billions and I can buy a team and get away with whatever I want. I'll put that team in Chicago because it's pretty damn easy. <laughs> well, you mentioned the, the summer well, I mean, camp thing. I mean, I mean we all, to the loyalty. we all are just like, um, you know, the, the DeMar summer camp has become this thing that we all praise him for. Yeah. And for good right, reason, right. like DeMar's fantastic. And um, you mentioned like pretty much exactly what Dalen said to you at the end of the year was what sounds like Jimmy said to you too, which is like, I'm not letting this happen again. And yeah, Dalen uh, might have to let it happen again. Though. There's a difference. <laughs> we'll see. But it, but it's the the thing about the young players, and uh, I think like the balancing act with these older guys. Um, and I think for you know Miami and Jimmy has become like a, a Heat legend at this point, and right. probably more well known for his success with Heat. Definitely well known, I would say, for his success with the Heat than the Bulls. But still has been like he's like he represents heat culture in a way that i just don't think the bulls have really had that kind of um ability to have you know accountability internally uh sort of a product that they can consistently lay out or an identity you know billy talked about that at the beginning of the year it's like an identity is going to be made for you if you don't do it yourself and there's not something that the bulls can necessarily hammer home as their own every year no they pushed against it they, they, they spoke out against what Dwayne and, and what Jimmy did. And, 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 you know, here's the other thing too, is there are guys that, that swear by Jimmy. I mean, swear by him. Joel Embiid. I mean, I don't know. It might not happen in time. The timelines might not work, but I know those two want to play to, together again. And the one thing Jimmy's done, you know, he went to Minnesota and right away he and Taj knew that cat wasn't about what they wanted. And he kept telling him, don't extend the guy. You know, Wiggins, it was too late. The owner looked him in the eye and gave him that that that, that max deal. So that one was too late. But he was t- trying to tell people right away, don't build around Cat. You can't build around a guy like that. Um, you know, he was botching the defense. Um, he was too busy with Fortnite to watch game film. Um, it came to the point where Jimmy and Taj had to tell him if, they bring, if he brings the system on the road again, they're going to bust it over his head. And it's funny because it, it, that happened in like December when Jimmy had told me about it. And if you look at Cat's numbers that season when Jimmy was there from like December and then obviously Jimmy got hurt for a while. They were I think they were fourth in the West and they had the best record against the West when, before Jimmy got hurt. 
But if you look at Cat's numbers, they really changed. He actually started playing well, but he had to be threatened by Taj and Jimmy, you know. And so the idea that he's – and this is the same guy that year that, that – didn't he fly Tyus Jones to a Duke game on, his, on a private jet so he could see his brother play? I thought there was, there was that that went on. Then he goes to Philly, and instantly he and Joel hit it off. And I remember Jimmy told me, dude, this Ben Simmons guy is going to be a problem. He's got a bunch of yes men in his camp. And we keep telling him, dude, you could be one of the best players in this league. You got to work on your game. And he kept going, I'm 6'8, I'm Magic Johnson. I don't need to work on my game. And that was and right there. They knew they were in trouble. And so, and, and the one thing I'll say about Jimmy, he's very smart as far as aligning him with people that he wants to learn from and then disengaging when he sees it's no longer good for him. I mean, if people remember, he was really tight with Antonio Brown, he brought him to a, to a Bulls game. Uh, Nick Friedell and I interviewed Antonio Brown and then, you know, I'm, I'm a Steelers guy. So later that year, I was like, are you going to train with AB again this summer? He's like, no, man, something's going on with AB. I, I don't know what's going on. Sure enough, AB goes to the Steelers that year and becomes disruptive. And we all know his history after that. Um, so Jimmy's, you know, Kyrie, he disengaged with Kyrie when he thought the Kyrie thing was getting a, a little strange. So I, I don't understand how people <laughs> – have taken this narrative about him. He's one of the smartest players um, that I've talked to about basketball. He He's just a BS and talk basketball. His IQ is, is off the charts. I mean, he knows what the other team's going to do before they do. And, and so it, it's just amazing to me that people don't regard him as a superstar. Is he a 1A from beginning of camp to the end of the season superstar? No. I put him in that one B category, but come playoff time, when 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 rubber meets the road, that's that's a dude I want to be in a foxhole with. Obviously, I think he needs another piece around him, but what he did against the Bucks, that's basically taking that third string Timberwolves bums, going yeah. to that scrimmage and whooping all their asses because that's what he did this last week with what was left on that court. Yeah. That's a great. Uh... Well, I mean. It- even to that point, though, like, okay, maybe Jimmy like cools down over the regular season, but in terms of advanced numbers through this regular season that he just played, and maybe this is because people just look at the box score, they don't see 30 points per game, they don't see 10 assists, whatever it might be, but right. he was sixth in, in player efficiency rating, he was third in win shares, second in win shares per 48, fourth in BPM, fourth in VORP, and fourth in EPM, so... Even if he's not scoring 30 a game like a Jason Tatum, as an example, or a Luca, whoever you want to use as your example, the dude is still grading out like top five, top 10 in all these key advanced metrics, which right. are generally reserved for your MBs, Giannis's and Jokic type guys and Doncic. But like Jimmy is right there every single time. And I don't know, I guess, at least from my perspective, maybe people just don't want to believe that someone who averages 20 a game or whatever it might be, 22 points, like you, like you said, Joe, just doesn't necessarily activate himself as a 1A guy in the regular season. Maybe they just don't want to believe that he is that level of player. And then, Every playoffs, he comes and does this sort of thing. And it just leaves me questioning now, like, okay, cool. We've, we've really enjoyed this Jimmy experience now. Obviously, the eighth-placed Heat have taken down the first-placed box team. Right. But is this something that people are going to remember for years to come? Um, maybe they will. Or I'm just I'm just wondering now, like, is this going to be just sort of lost in the ether given that it happened in the first round? People maybe will overlook it, that it, overlook it because it happened in the first round, those sorts of things. I'm just wondering if in years to come, that narrative will continue or that narrative will exist just because based on what you were saying, people just don't 
whatever reason or their, their perception of Jimmy is that he's just not this star guy. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a great point. I mean, and his numbers post-All-Star were, were, were ridiculous all around. I think the thing that people can't get a grasp of is how can a game – how can someone's game be so grimy but yet so good? It's not pretty. What he does is he doesn't fly through the air. He's not – you know what I mean? He just doesn't do anything pretty. He's not on a lot of highlights um, because what he does is grimy. And, and, and I don't think, you know, in a game now where you see the quick highlights, boom, 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 people want to see, you know, tongue out and, and dunking on people. And he just, he's not really a high flyer. He's a strong ass dude. Um, But his game is just grimy and it just doesn't, I think there's some people that just can't embrace themselves. And to your point, I mean, the sad thing is, if he loses in New York, I mean, look, he, they have that. When you look at that roster, it has no business getting by Milwaukee. It just has no yeah. business. Yeah. It was one dude willing them past Milwaukee and a horrible coach in Milwaukee. And um, but they may lose to New York, and the narrative goes right back to, well, Jimmy hasn't won a chip. Yeah, and we did, and we did yeah. play in the finals. That was in the bubble. There's always, especially in Chicago, they always want to make an excuse of why Jimmy failed. Cause I think it makes them feel better that, well, this is why we got rid of him. He's not chip worthy where I would have loved to see what he would have tried to build in Chicago. Cause I know he wanted to stand. I know he wanted to try building something. I mean, that dude recruits his ass off that dude's friends with some heavy hitters in this league. And I don't know if he would have pulled it off, but he would have done his best um, to try bringing people here. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of all city and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get a ton of compliments on it on and off the course. Pins and Aces is a family-owned golf and apparel business that makes amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and our favorite, and especially Matt Peck's favorite, the beer sleeve. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag. Uh, That's, as Matt likes to say, a sixer and a roadie, and it keeps your drinks cold the entire round. So check out pinsandaces.com and use promo code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com and promo code CHGO. And when you're done playing golf and you want to get to a game, whether it's a Bulls game, whether it's a Cubs or Sox game, maybe not necessarily the Sox at the moment, football's coming back, whatever it might be, friends. Obviously, you want to be using the game time app to secure all your tickets. You're trying to get to like to a sporting event, a comedy show, whatever it might be. Game time is the hookup. They're the easiest and best way to get your tickets for anything. Like I said, sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever you want to get to, they can get to you to a show that's near you. So rather than going to all these other avenues, why would you bother? You can just go to Game Time. You can use that great app. You can position yourself in where you know where you're going to be sitting. You can pick out where you're going to be sitting. You can see where it is within the theater, within the ballpark, wherever it might be. You can pick out your seat. You can find great last-minute deals, and you can get yourself a great pair of tickets to whatever event you want to get to. So if you want to do that, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code CHDO. And if you do... For your first purchase, you will get $20 off your purchase. So obviously terms apply, but again, create an account, go to the game time app, use promo code CHGO, and you will get $20 off your first purchase. So that's another, I think, um, 
maybe false um, assumption about Jimmy is that like, you know, he became Hollywood. He didn't want to be in Chicago anymore. He was ready to leave. He was going to force his way out on top of the fact that people kind of assume that the front office or ownership didn't think he was worth a, a super max contract. Um, what can you share about just kind of the end of his time with the bulls? And if, did he feel like he was being pushed out? Did it seem like the bulls had committed to trading him before doing it and, and sort of cutting off that future timeline? Well, he did go Hollywood. Let's not, and Jimmy would admit he was, we would, I would kid around with him, call him Hollywood. So, and he would laugh. I mean, he, he did go Hollywood because he also saw I'm, I'm a, my business is basketball but I'm also in business. And so there was a part of him that said, and Dwayne helped with a lot of that, you know, Dwayne helped with a lot of off the court stuff with Jimmy um, as far as business and how to make sure that you're still a basketball player, but you're a businessman. And and that year together was really important. Um, What I can say is only what my perspective and what I was being told from one side, unfortunately, but he had a big shoe deal pending finally after wearing those, those shoes, you know, you got to wear them for a couple of years, then they're going to give you your own brand. And he thought he had that in place. Unfortunately, jumping from the Chicago market to the Minnesota market, they then pulled his own name brand off and that cost him a lot of money. But so obviously they didn't want to do the Supermax. He wanted to be paid and there's no doubt he wanted to be paid, but I think, I, I don't think I, th- there was, there was room for him to budge because he also knew what he wanted to bring in and how much that would cost to do that. He's not one of these guys where I have to have bank first and then I'm going to go try recruiting. If he felt like he could get guys in, he would have given money back. But when I was told, so he was about to go on a European movie tour with Wahlberg um, for that. Uh, Definitely movie. Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, he was Hollywood. <laughs> and so they were about to go over to, to Europe and then Rome um, was where they were going to end up. Um, so they're going to London and then Rome and, he t- told Gar and Pax, look, don't trade me. Let me try and, and, and bring guys in. Let's build around me and, and let me try and drive this thing. And his perception was when he left that, they were all about it. And the two names he gave me, he's like, dude, I'm going to do everything I can to get either Kyle or Kyrie here. Kyle Lowry at the time and, and Kyrie. Um, so then, then he calls me up right before he leaves. He goes, Hey, I'm getting calls from Cleveland that they want me to try pushing my way out of Chicago, but I, 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 I don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden Griff gets fired from Cleveland. And now it's, so this thing is fluid. This is all within two days. It's crazy. And so I'm trying to write and stay up on flute, but it's changing so quickly. And then he's like, Hey, LeBron's leaving. Griff's gone. LeBron's not going to stay. I'm going to try getting Kyrie to Chicago. And then all of a sudden he goes to Europe. He tells Gar Pax, let's try getting Kyrie. You know, obviously it was going to be a money issue, um, but they, his whole thing is tell Ryan Surf, go over. We could build a championship team. Tell, screw the cap. And so he goes to Europe and while he's gone in Europe, they trade him. And that's obviously why his trainer came out and said, there's, there's uh, drug dealers on the South side with that, with more, uh, whatever he said, more of a better reputation than Gar. Gar was the one that he thought really lied to him because it sounded like Gar was buying what he was selling and they were going to give the keys to Jimmy. Then he goes to Europe, they trade him. And then it's funny because if you remember, so I wrote that story, then he gets traded. When he gets traded to Minnesota, all of a sudden Kyrie demands his, his trade list. And it's like Boston, blah, blah, 
and Minnesota. So who demands to go go to Minnesota? Nobody. So obviously he and Jimmy had something cooking and Minnesota was still in play and Kyrie was willing to go there. So he was devastated. He didn't want to leave Chicago. And and that's why it's funny that dudes uh, I was getting to on Twitter were like, yeah, Jimmy didn't want to be here his last year. And no, Jimmy didn't want to be lied to. And Jimmy wanted something that the front office wasn't willing to give up. And that's the keys to the car. They didn't want to give that power to a player. You know, the one thing they loved about Derek when Derek was in his his stardom, Derek wasn't demanding of the front office. They can still feel like they were in power and they had an MVP and a superstar right in their stable and wasn't pushing them. Jimmy was different. Jimmy was going to challenge that front office to be greater and they didn't want to step up. And they're like, so we're going to step out. And so they they moved him. And, you know, look, it's six years ago. And I know we're supposed to move on. But, like, a playoff series like that tells me how catastrophic that sets an organization back when you don't realize what you have in your own house and then you spend six years trying to find a guy like that, Patrick Williams, uh, Chris Dunn. uh, Chris Dunn and Zach Levine combined were going to kind of be like Jimmy. You know what I mean? So they spent six years trying to find a guy that they didn't want to keep. And it's just, as a Bulls fan, I mean – I feel bad for them because th- 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 you would see, you would think that they'd be beyond frustrated, but instead they're just drinking the Kool Aid and have moved on and said ah, Jimmy was the problem. So it's just it's it's crazy. Yeah, well, for me, I I can't move on. I'm obviously a Bulls fan. I can't move on, and I <laughs> it's hard that, to move on uh, from. It is, it is, and look, I maybe could have moved on if post Jimmy they did the right things, and I think there is a world or a reality that exists where. You can trade Jimmy Butler and make things work, but they didn't. They didn't do everything they could to make things work. They, they, well, they just didn't do it, uh, and, and this is why we're in the situation we are today. So I can't move on because the Bulls are what they are. They're the team that lost to Jimmy Butler in the plane. They're the team that maybe enabled this whole thing to happen. So maybe they deserve some credit for that in that instance. But I can't move on until the Bulls actually give me a reason to move on. And meanwhile, Jimmy is doing his thing. We're talking about this being one of the single greatest player performances that we've ever seen. He's, it's like he's doing it on a, an elite team. He's like, like you mentioned before, he's, he's dragging like a third-rate team up to this point where they've knocked up the first-place box, uh, knocked off the first-place box. So I can't move on when Jimmy's doing these things. I also, it, it's really difficult to move on when... Tibbs is also doing his thing in New York as well. And like these are two of, I don't know, whether we want to call them heroes, whether we're going to want to call them, you know, some of the most storied figures of recent Bulls history. Like all these guys are doing their thing elsewhere. People have been banging on about what like Lowry's done in Utah this season, which is another example. Now, obviously, Lowry maybe doesn't hold the same weight as Jimmy or Tibbs, but his Tibbs doing something similar to Jimmy, where he's just taking a team where no one gave them a chance. Everyone assumed the Bulls would be better than this Knicks team, or if, even if they didn't necessarily think that, a lot of people weren't picking the Knicks to beat the Cavs in the first round. Not only do they beat the Cavs in the first, first round, they absolutely demolish them, and in part they do that because Tibbs just coached his ass off as he typically does. So let's change this into talking about Tibbs, the Knicks. Obviously, they're playing Jimmy. That connection there as well, but. Again, Joe, like to your point, I just I just can't move on from that previous era, that previous iteration, because. Like I said, Tibbs is doing his thing in New York now. An incredible, an incredible coaching job. Taking a team who 
maybe is less talented than this current Chicago Bulls team. Maybe we could debate that. But essentially, he's taken this team to the second round. One of Jimmy or Tibbs is going to the Eastern Conference Finals this season, which is yep. just completely insane to think about. But again, Tibbs, another cast off from this, uh, from this franchise who continuously is just doing his thing. Yeah, and... You know, I mean, everyone knows how I feel about Tibbs. I, I think he's an elite coach. And I remember we were, uh, mm-hmm. Will could, could attest to this. We were in the media room, I think, uh, probably right before they went to Toronto, just going down a list of coaches that we think are elite. Spolstra, Tibbs, you know, real game changers. Um, and and where Billy stacked up with that. And, you know, I think Billy's kind of like that second tier, you know, but that's a pretty big group. They have to have the right guys. Yeah. They have to have some luck go their way. That's a pretty big mm-hmm. group of those second-tier guys. They can coach. They You can see their adjustments. They do some good things. And and there's not – I mean, you, if you have a guy like that, you want to hold on to him unless you know for sure I can get this guy or Spolster wants to come to Chicago. You know what I mean? Then you're talking about, okay, then you move on from a Billy. Or or they do shut him down, shut, shut him off and stop listening to him. Um, so – but where Tibbs is, and, and again, it gets back to that narrative of what he's been spun into. It was funny because I remember one time <laughs> he was in Minnesota and I was talking to him and NBA 2K had come out and it was, um, he may have been in Chicago because Steve Kerr, I think, was doing the commentary, who obviously we all know is tight with Paxson. And the commentary on the game was Tibbs plays this guy's too many minutes on the game. It's Steve Kerr saying this. And you're like, holy shit, Paxton and Kerr are tight. And even Kerr's been in the narrative. And I told it to Tibbs and he was, he just laughed. I mean, he thought it was hilarious, but um, your job as a front office and as executives is to identify the best, the best talent. And the fact that you brought up Mark, that the talent was in your building but because you couldn't get along with it or you didn't like the way it acted or you didn't like the fact that it would not listen to your analytics department or listen to you 24-7 and had its own views, um, you started a civil war within your own building, trying to turn players against him, sabotaging him. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's unreal. And, and um, th- this Knicks team is fun to watch because it's so New York. Uh, you know, we could bring up Bulls versus Knicks talent-wise. I think the Bulls have a more talented team. But toughness and doing the grimy things that you need to do in the playoffs, not even close. I mean, this Bulls could beat the, mm. the Knicks throughout the regular season, but come playoff time where the whistles get a little get a little less blowy and there's more contact and the game slows down and you're able to get in your half-court sets defensively a little bit more, this Bulls team would have had all kind of issues. So – um, they just don't have those guys. They don't have that type of mentality. And I think Billy wants them to have that mentality without saying it as much as it, it, straight ahead. I think he says it when you kind of go between the lines with him. That's the kind of mentality, he, the kind of team he would like to have. But I think he also knows it's it's not in his building, so he has to kind of finesse it and, and say the right things. And, you know, if you like kind of like that throwback basketball, you've got to love watching this Knicks team. They're fun. They're fun to watch. And the thing that's been um, exciting, I would say, about Tibbs for me is that he really has evolved. Like if you right. if if he were to have just been the same guy, like I think he was kind of the same version of himself when he went to Minnesota 
And obviously that didn't work out on a long-term thing because he didn't necessarily evolve yet. And now he's had this chance to go to the Knicks and and they've had a couple of playoff runs here. But I mean, they were the third best offense in the league this year. That is not something that Tibbs would have uh, manufactured while, while he was in Chicago. And so I think for him, I'm not sure if that would have been the case had he stayed in Chicago longer term, but I, I tend to agree that like, if you've got the talent in your house and that was kind of like a, a running joke about the organization of like, we want our guys in our building over the summer, we in our building, in our building, and you've got these guys in your building, but for whatever reason, you know, they, they kind of parted ways and it wasn't super. I remember Nick had that, uh, that report when they like removed Tibbs from the, the facility to, to, you know, let him go. And it's just, it's weird how that, that mm-hmm. whole thing kind of fizzled out. Well, they, if you recall, they, you know, Dice, his guy Dice is his right-hand guy. He was one of the video guys back then with the Bulls. They thought Dice stole a bunch of stuff through the computer. They were trying to get computers. They were like, look, it, it was like espionage stuff. And I remember talking to Dice in Minnesota. He goes, I just took the stuff that we had. I mean, there was nothing more. I wasn't like sneaking USB ports out, my crevice and and keystering stuff like the, the Bulls thought it, thought I was. And and I will say Minnesota was like a horrible situation for Tibbs because he went to a place where Glenn Taylor's the owner. Glenn Taylor has no idea how to run a professional NBA franchise, but he tells Tibbs, because remember, Tibbs was also president. He said, clean it up, make it a professional organization. So Tibbs would go like, just in like basic places like a video room, there's six guys for a one person job. He's like, all right, I'm four of you are getting canned. And so he started getting rid of a lot of people because the previous regime there was a bunch of yes men. Oh, you want to bring your buddy in? Oh yeah. We'll bring him in too. We'll bring him in too. So they had three guys doing one job. It was just so many bodies just wasting time and so many voices saying nothing. So he cleaned it up. Everyone got pissed because their buddies were getting fired. They go to Glenn Taylor and then Glenn starts, starts, you know, he owns the Star Tribune. He has that media under control. He starts using the media to spin another narrative. And so, you know, Tibbs is this, he's a bully. He's this, he's this, he's not Minnesota. And so the nice thing about the Knicks, he goes to a place where his former agent, Leon Rose, can be the buffer because he knows Tibbs. He knows, just let the man coach. Just let him coach. Let him do his thing. We'll handle that business of uh, that 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 Tibbs might not be great at handling, because Tibbs Tibbs is a hammer, and there's a lot of things in front offices that are political where you need a soft touch. He doesn't have a soft touch, so I think that's been a great fit for him to go to a place where you have that buffer that knows him, knows what he's is about, and lets him just do his thing. Because I will say this about Tibbs. I remember one time we were talking. And and just BSing, and you know he he's he's tight with the the, the Nick Sabins and the and the Belichicks, kind of dictators. So I, I even said to him, I go, you like dictators that are coaches? And he started laughing, and he said, the one thing I I've known about myself is could he because he's very he's actually very like how's your kids? How's your wife? You know he remembers your kids' names. He remembers the sports they play, but he knew that lifestyle. You know, people talk about, well, he's pretty like kind of a lonely dude. He might be because he knew that lifestyle. He couldn't have a wife. He couldn't have a kids because he is a singular focused. It's just like a shark. 
It just swims and eats and kills, and that's all it knows. All he knows is basketball and doing everything he can to squeeze a win out that night. And he doesn't have time for a wife. He doesn't have time for kids. And he knows that. He didn't get married and then have to have a, a divorce and, and, and kids and angry. And um, so I will say he's very self-aware of who he is. Um, and I just hope this thing in New York keeps going the way it is because I think it's a great fit for him. It's NBA playoffs time, and that means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button, and new customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day during the playoffs. Uh, By the time you guys hear this, you will probably have game six of Kings versus Warriors and Lakers versus Grizzlies. Both really exciting games happen on Friday night. Make sure you get your parlays in. And all you need to do is open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in and place the same game parlay on either of those two games. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So download the app now and sign up using promo code CHGO. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code CHGO. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. And once you've done winning all that sweet, sweet money with our friends at DraftKings, go and use that money on a pair of beautiful, beautiful shades. You will look confident. You will look great. And as we're approaching the summer season over there now for uh, in, in the Northern Hemisphere, at least you for my friends in the Northern, Northern Hemisphere are, you will need a pair of sunglasses. And what better way to secure a great pair of sunglasses than going to our friends at Shady Rays. They build gear that is, is uh, built to last. And uh, our friends at Shady Rays will have you covered. They'll keep your eyes safe with their premium polarized shades all at an affordable price. So if you're not aware, friends... Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers world-class products that are just as good. I say that again, just as good as the most expensive pairs you can award. I've never understood why anyone they would never buy understood. stupid, insanely... They never understood. I never understood why you would pay thousands of dollars for a pair of sunglasses which you could break, which you could lose, which are definitely not worth that much amount of money. It's just a complete overpay. Why would you do that? When our friends at Shady Rays exist, they're giving you the same quality product, just as good at a much more affordable price. But better yet, our friends at Shady Rays have a lost, lost and broken replacement policy whereby if you break it on day one, you lose it on day one, it doesn't matter. No questions asked. They will hook you up with a second pair. That's how confident they are in their products. So if you want to get your hands on a pair of Shady Rays sunglasses exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code promo, promo code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. So try that out for yourself. Over 250,000 people have done so. They've given them all, all those people have given Shady Rays five-star reviews. 
be the 250,000th and first person to do so, friends. Promo code CHGO, 50% off, two plus pairs. You got your fresh new shades. You got your beer sleeve from Pins and Aces. And now it's time to complete the fit with FOCO. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. They've got hoodies. They've got shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in betwixt. It's spring season. It's baseball season. You got your Aloha shirts and straw hats. There's polos, bags, everything you need for a game. The NFL draft is tonight. Probably by the time you guys are done listening to this, the Bears will have selected at number nine, or maybe they trade back. Who knows? But they will have a first-round pick that you can get their jersey at foco.com. They've also hooked us up with some set decorations with a few awesome pieces um, that are on our set and display at our West Loop Studios. So go show them some love. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Well, like I said, one of one of Jimmy or one of Tibbs. I mean, Jimmy already is a heat legend at this point for what he's done, but he gets an opportunity to add to that legend. Right. Nick, uh, sorry, Tibbs has the ability now to become a Knicks legend. And this is something that I always push back again. I've never been a title or bust kind of person because you have these runs from organizations, from teams, from certain iterations of teams that put something together that irrespective if they don't win the entire thing, obviously everyone wants to win a championship, but whether they do or don't, there's still runs that teams have that are memorable and things we'll remember for all of the time. Like there's, there's still bull seasons that I remember fondly because of what they did maybe versus expectation and a lot of them were tips teams. And here's this Knicks team that no one assumed is going to the, we're capable of going to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they have the ability now to get to the Eastern Conference Eastern Conference Finals, and they're going to do so where they've got Julius Randle. How many how many franchises, how many people, or how many fans would actually want Julius Randle on their team? Probably probably not right. many. They've got right. Jalen Bronson, who a lot of people in the offseason were talking about being overpaid. Dude is like uh, he should have been an All Star borderline all-NBA guy at this point. Give give someone who can run a pick-and-roll, a point guard who can run a pick-and-roll, and Tibbs is going to turn that guy into an absolute uh, absolute maven. But then, you know, what he's gotten out of Mitchell Robinson, what, he, what he's gotten out of uh, Emmanuel quickly, closed the game with freaking Obi Toppin the other week. So, like, one of these Bulls legends, whether it's Jimmy or Tibbs, these guys are just going to be immersing themselves as a legend in those franchises, and that's part of the reason why I can't move on as we sort of talking about before, but like coming back to this Knicks and Bulls comparison, like the Knicks are showing us that maybe you don't need, and maybe they're an outlier. Obviously, typically the typical case is you need a, a you know, a prime level star or LeBron, maybe, well, I was going to say Giannis, but Giannis got pipped yesterday by Jimmy, but you, yeah, need, you typically need one of those guys to, to go all the way to win that thing. But the Knicks clearly don't have that. They've got a, They've assembled a team that has a bunch of really good players, a lot of depth, really high level you know, quote-unquote stars but not necessarily superstars and in some senses like that's what the Bulls have as well like I, we, we spoke about it before that the uh, the Bulls might have more talent than the Knicks but the, the Knicks are showing us that even if you don't necessarily have the most talented team you don't have all these you know the, 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 the top line guys you can still put together a memorable season so that, I guess they're, are the Knicks are a test, a test case of some sorts that you can still put together a good and memorable season. You may not win a ring, but if you keep this team together, if you try to put together a good and decent team that makes sense, actually do stuff at the deadline where you're actually acquiring players who make sense on four-year roster, like the Knicks like did with Josh Hart, who is 
playing 46 minutes yesterday for Tibbs. Like, is, are they just a test case that maybe continue, continuity can work, assuming assuming you have the right pieces in place? Right. And, you know, you brought up a good point. And, and, and I think this was – I think before you and I spoke – and, and ironed out some things. I think we had a debate about, because a blind spot for me is I've always been an all or nothing guy. And I think a lot of that had to do growing mm-hmm. up being a Steelers fan where the bar is in 2010, when they got to the Super Bowl and they lost to Aaron Rodgers, to me, it was like going, Oh, and 16. There's no difference to me. It's failure. And that's why I liked that debate they had on TNT last night with Shaq, and Charles and Kenny Smith right after Giannis said what he said about, is it failure? And, and my blind spot that I have to get better at, you know, because I'm still a work in progress at at 54, I think we all are a work in progress is sometimes it's okay to sit back and enjoy the journey and recognize that the journey was still something special. Um, and, And you can have a special story and not get a championship but it's just hard for me still to put my arms around that. And that's something I'm trying to get better at. And, and I think when you're a, a team that's, that's, that's overachieved, that has to be recognized more, like you brought up the Knicks and, and, and like Jimmy with the current roster he has right now. If they get to the finals, one of them to get to the finals, it's a great story. And I should embrace that more than, than get angry if they don't make it to the finals and win it all because I, I am too often – an all or nothing guy. And again, and I think that goes back to, you know, when you're a Steelers fan, the bar is set at Super Bowl or nothing at this point. It's get the seventh ring or nothing. I think it's like that with the Yankees. I think it's like that somewhat with the Lakers in Boston and you become a product in your environment. That's why I liked seeing Shaq and Charles debate that because Shaq said, you know, I won X amount of rings and the other, you know, I was in the league X years. Those were all failures for me. And he knows Charles never won one. So Charles, of course, has to spin it in no. You could have successful seasons and not win a championship, and it's a successful season. So it's a great debate, and it's something that, um, again, I think you're, it, it depends on the environment you come from. And some of it might even be generational. You know, I, I, I don't know. But, yeah, to, to your point, I think I have to recognize that, if New York or, or Miami go to the East finals and they, they fall there, that that still was something special because there was a journey there. Um, and, you know, especially the NBA where everything is judged on that ring, you know, that more than any sport is, did you win a chip or not? So, um, and that's something I'm trying to learn, but yeah, I, I mean, continuity is great if it's worth keeping together. You know what I mean? If it works. I don't know if, that is, if it works. And I think with Tibbs and with that kind of mindset they have, that works. And I think, you know, and they have a nice situation as far as cap space, draft picks. They have draft assets. I mean, there's some other things they can do to kind of tweak. And, and maybe all of a sudden New York does become a destination place where it really hasn't been. So I'm glad you, you took it there because uh, we only have like 10 or so minutes here. And I want to spend the rest of it talking about the bulls and how this relates to their present and future. Um, because as you said, like you can have a successful or at least um, like enjoyable and pleasant season if you're competitive. And obviously I think we can all agree bulls this season did not make it to that point. Um, you know, you can debate semantics, but like missing the, right. missing the playoffs, I think 
you know, when you state the goal of we are going to be better than we were last season, to me, that's a failure. And, um, but at the same time, you look at Jimmy uh, muscling his way through the Bucks and the Knicks beating a higher seed. And this Eastern Conference now does feel a little bit wide open. You've obviously got Philly and Boston who are going to have to play each other. So only one of those teams is going to go to the East finals. Right. Um, do you think that I'll give you two questions. Do you think that this sort of like open landscape will um, encourage the current front office to stay the course and maybe try to like tinker on the fringes, but really still give this group another chance? Do you think they will do that? And then do you think they should do that? I don't think they should do that, but I think they screwed themselves into that. That's where they painted themselves into. That's the corner they sit in and they know there's not a, a way out. Now, if some crazy trade offer comes their way, even though they did say they wanted to keep basically the core of it all together, I, I don't think our tourists would shy away from that. My fear is, the, and and I didn't see this coming early on. I didn't think our tourists was a guy that would fall in love with his own draft picked, his own moves. I thought he'd be a guy that would, would, would say that didn't work. I have to pivot. And now all of a sudden I'm starting to think maybe there's a little more guard packs in him than we think that he does say, you know, uh, I, and I don't, Will, I don't know if you had heard this conversation right after he was done talking, Casey Johnson and I went up to him and were BSing. And I thought you were close to me. And I asked him about Dale and Terry, like, well, what do you do with him? Cause I had just talked to Billy about Dalen the day before just BSing stuff. I was watching Dalen shoot and I called Billy over. I'm like, you're going to get that, that push out of his shot. Aren't you this summer? And he's like, he's like, yeah, he goes, you know, cause Billy's Mr. Fundamentals. And he goes, the funny thing is you, the, when he shoots it, when he pushes, you would think it's going to Joe Keem. I mean, that's the, the analogy he gave, but it doesn't, it actually still goes straight for some reason. And it's usually straight on. It's just either too long or too short. Um, but they are going to try obviously fixing it. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a Lonzo ball thing where they can redo the shot completely. Um, but Billy recognized that this kid needs a lot of work. And then the next day, you know, th- this was like two days before our tourists talked or whatever. And then I'm talking to our tourists and I'm like, um, what about Dalen? I mean, he's like, Oh no, we're excited about him. He's going to, he's got to get a lot of minutes next year. I was like, really? You're excited about him? Oh yeah. High energy guy. He's exactly what we need. That's not what you need. You have enough high energy guys. You need shooters. You need someone that could come in and give you 24 minutes. And if he knocks down four threes, you pat him on the ass and say, thank you. You know, there's there's a difference between a guy who can shoot and a shooter. Yes. And so I don't know if they recognize their own blind spots. I, I, I think they're, I don't want to, I don't want to say that they think they're the smartest guys in the room, but so far, this is a big off season. If they just try running this back, I think we're just going to kind of see the same thing. And that's fine. I like coaching baseball in mid April. You want to free up my summer that early? That's on you. But um, I I have a feeling unless another team approaches them with something crazy, you know, uh, maybe Trey Young, which I don't think is going to happen now because I think he's actually being coached and he looks like a guy that's being coached now um, with Quinn Schneider. You know, 
a, a Trey for Zach or something that that just changed. And I and trust me, I like Zach better than Trey Young. Um, but something crazy comes their way that they feel that can change the outlook of the team. I think they would explore that. I just don't know if they're going to make those phone calls. And if you, if you're a Bulls fan, I think that's what should, should make you feel a little uneasy. Is have they fallen in love with their own creation more than what we're seeing in the standings? What we're seeing in in nut cutting time in a game? Um, what we're seeing down the stretch? Uh, it's not a great product. It wasn't constructed well. Um, it worked at times, and I understand the mindset behind it. Be disruptive in the backcourt. We know we can't rim protect so well, so we got to mess up your game there. We got to mess your possession up in the backcourt, disrupt your timing. I get it. And, and it. and it does work in the regular season at times. It's just a bad way to think, oh, but now we're closing the gap between Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, if they get things right. You know, you're, you're not. You're not closing the gap. Yeah. For me, it's like, anytime you're not actively trying to make yourself better, you're falling backwards. And, um, like this idea that because the heat an eight seed could make it to the second round, maybe the bulls could too. Well, it's like the bulls couldn't beat the heat when they needed to. So why, why does that encourage you? I'm not sure. I, I, I definitely don't buy that argument. And I wonder, you know, they definitely need to make some changes. I'm not sure really how they can do that. We've talked a lot on our show. Yeah, and, Mark, and Mark had a great, like, great piece with the the cap. I mean, if you're moving some pieces around, it's just kind of shuffling on the Titanic. Yeah. I mean, um, and Will, you were there. What was your feeling from our tourist that he's really not going to be aggressive to move off of this current construct. I, I mean, that's what I took from it. Yeah, I, I I think the aggressiveness aspect of it is true because obviously he recognizes that there are flaws with the team. Right. Um, you know, he he pointed out like the shot profile and you know the fact that you're basically at an eight point deficit every game because of your lack of three point shooting. Um, and I don't know if it's that he doesn't think it he doesn't think that he needs to go out and invest those resources to try to get better in those areas, or if he's just unable to, because to your point, he's kind of painted into a corner here with lack of assets, lack of money. Um, I, if it were me, I, I couldn't really justify sitting on a podium, you know, to start training camp and saying we won 40 games last year. We didn't have enough money to bring back Patrick Beverly, but you know, we felt good enough about the way that we ended the season. So we're going to run it back. I, I don't see how that's like a justifiable argument. Um, maybe there are. And, and that might changes, be the reality. But... That might be the reality. We might have that. That might be the press conference. I, I Which... think more likely than not, just given the, given the fact that they don't have enough money to go out and, and use even their mid-level, they can't, they, they don't have any draft picks to trade. It's just going to be really hard to do that. And I think, the only way to do it is probably to make a bigger trade. Um, Vooch deciding he wants to leave could throw a wrench in that. But right now I don't really see a way out unless you're making like some big overarching moves, which it doesn't really feel like they want to do. Right. No. And Mark, how do you feel? About that? <laughs> no, well, look, I, I was just going to, obviously we're going to close the show. We're going to get you out of here, Joe, but I, I guess the, the comparison that I want to make on this thing. And if there are Bulls fans out there thinking, well, the Bulls could have been the Heat or what the Knicks are doing now. 
maybe that could have been the Bulls and that I was I was someone like that who I never I never thought this iteration of Bulls could win a title, but could they get to the second round? Could they make a run if things fell favorably for them as it seemingly is that right now for the Knicks where they have the chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals? And look, if Boston get there, the Knicks have matched up really well against the Celtics all year. So how, who the hell knows making the Knicks get to the freaking right. finals? But my thing with this or where that comparison dies for me is like, these teams haven't stopped building, whereas the Bulls have. Like, do the Knicks get past the first round if they don't go out and actively buy and and, and add Josh Hart? Like, Tibbs loves loves Josh Hart. Like I said before, playing this dude forty six minutes um, in, in his previous game has become their wing stopper. The guy that's probably going to get the Jimmy matchup in round two. They didn't stop adding pieces. They added Jalen Bronson. Obviously, that was a massive get for them. They obviously had that letdown season last season, but that didn't stop them from continuously trying to add the Heat. The Heat continuously try to add. They couldn't do it this season, but I'm tipping they're going to be in the, uh, the Bradley Beal sweepstakes coming up in this offseason. So I guess like if anyone who has this revisionist history about could the Bulls be the Heat? Could they be the Knicks? Could they be the Hawks? Again, another team who added at the deadline. Right. The Bulls couldn't be that. They couldn't have this run in them because they just didn't want to continuously add to this roster, whether it was at the past deadline past offseason or even the deadline before they just kept things as as is to your point joe maybe they just felt like who they had in their building was enough but it's never enough and to will's point if you're not adding if you're not changing things and you're going backwards and that's why teams like new york miami atlanta whoever you want to name they've just added bits and pieces here like i mean the, the hawks freaking added quinn snyder during the season and that helped revamp their things so the Bulls are stagnant that's why they are stagnant and that's why teams are going past them. So that's my overall take with it. But uh, I'm not looking at this playoff push from the Heat or the the Hawks or whoever it might be and thinking that it could have been the Bulls because they just never put themselves in the position to do that. So it's a shame. It's a shame. But um, nonetheless, uh, look, let's call it a day. Joe, we, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Will and I, look, we, we were going to bang on about Jimmy and Tibbs anyway because that's our agenda. We love right. these guys, but um, <laughs> the fact that we could get someone else on to um, to have this have this conversation with as well, because we know how much you loved uh, Jimmy and Tibbs and all that sort of stuff. So we appreciate you coming on. Everyone, obviously, follow John online at J Cali Hoops. Get all these. No, stuff don't. I don't want times. anybody else. I don't want anybody else following me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't but, follow um, J Cali Hoops. Nonetheless. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on. Will, thank you for um, joining me as always at Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter. Obviously, follow his stuff on allchgo.com. Rather. I'm at MK Hoops, just uh, yelling at Bulls fans about stuff. So uh, that's where you can get us. We're at chgo underscore Bulls. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Let's see. Let's see what happens in this second round. Like I said, former Bulls legends going after it. So we'll see where it lands. But I appreciate everyone for joining us and uh, speak soon, Bulls fans. Thank you.